happened in our lives, and uh, we came in and our girls were seven and four. Today, our granddaughters are one week away from 20 in the, nine, in the 20th year, age 19, and the other one is about 19 and a half, the old, the old people. And uh, our baby grandperson is 13 or some advanced age like that. So we are, we are so blessed. It's, it's just amazing to me. And I, I thank you for your kindness. Today we're going to look at can we, will we fulfill the Great Commission? The series that we're in is in, is in three parts. And the first one we shared last week, which was Abide, it has to do with making Jesus not only central in our life, but really all there is. That kind of comes around to that scripture that says, uh, I used to hate that, that Paul says, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. A perfectionist knows that when you're weak, it's not good. You have to be strong so you can be perfect. But the Lord has healed that to some extent. Hallelujah. Boy, did I need it. And, and still need more, but, but he's done a great thing so far. And that is, when I'm weak, then we can have the strength of God. If I'm all strong and out front and doing my thing, God is saying, if you scoot over, I'll help you out here. But he doesn't always say it loudly. Sometimes it's rather softly, and, and we perfectionists do not respond to soft voices. We respond better to bats placed carefully alongside the cranium. So abiding has to do with that thing that Jesus is, and that's all he is. I was, I was stricken about as hard as I've ever been in a sermon by the story that Dan Brogdon uh, gave us at part of his testimony and we played a couple of three minutes of that last Sunday about him being dropped off in the slum in Mauritania, in the capital city, uh, two weeks all by himself, no furniture, no kitchen, no electricity, no running water, a pit toilet in the courtyard, and he had one room. And his furniture was a one-inch foam mattress. And he had to survive for two weeks. And then possibly they would let him join the missions team. That's a little bit, that's a little bit rough. But I think those people live in a rough part of the world. And the ministry is tough. And the war is intense. And they needed to know if he could do it. And he did because he was no one and had nothing and just had to have Jesus. That is, to those of us who are strong, that is really, really scary because we don't want just Jesus. We want to be in charge and we need to pull him up when somebody needs to get saved or when somebody needs to get healed or something like that. But, but the rest of the thing we, we want to take care of. And if you're not like that, good. Because 
there's enough of us around who are like that to make up for that, so we, we're, we got you covered. But this is the abiding. This morning I'm going to talk about apostle. Apostle sounds like it doesn't fit there, only um, in the original language the word apostle means the sent one. And the verb form of this noun means to send. Jesus chose these apostles that he might send them out, the scripture says. And so that's like almost redundant there. He chose the sent ones so that he might send them. And next Sunday we will talk about abandon, which will go back a little bit to abide only. We'll dig more deeply into that if the Lord wills. Crown Point Church has the mission to love God and love others. And that'll cover everything we do. If we're not loving God and loving others, we need to not do that, whatever it is. Our vision is that we will grow uh, personally, that we will grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, that we will grow in spiritual power and prayer as a body, that we will grow in, in many ways. Then we connect. We connect with God. We connect with each other. And we need to connect with the world in a saving way. The third part of our vision is go. We will deal with that specifically today and to some extent next week. Matthew 28, 19, and 20 is the Great Commission. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, baptizing them in that name, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. If you noticed in the title earlier uh, the term the human right, we have can we, will we fulfill the Great Commission? We have apostle is the uh, section of the sermon series, and the, sub, the subtitle this morning is The Human Right. Now, when we say human right, we, we're thinking, okay, in, uh, under Sharia law, uh, women's rights are really kind of non-existent, um, and so we need the women's lib to go and, and take care of that for us. Um, if you see them, you can tell them I said that, or don't tell them that. Tell them you said that, and send them. Uh, I, it, it amazes me that in our country, we, we can get so shook up about inequality in pay, and I don't think that's right, but it's a fact of life so far. It needs to be corrected. I'm not sure it ever will. But we can just, we can just froth at the mouth over that and just turn the other way when females under... Uh, the strict Muslim rule and Sharia law are battered, persecuted, uh, genitally mutilated, etc. That is unthinkable to me. And where are our girls with the big voices? I don't know. But if you see one of them, tell them you sympathize with their issues here in our country because there are issues. But would, would they please put some of their energy to helping these gals under that regime. So, what is the human right? We think of that. We think of, um, if somebody's being unfair, we bless God, I have my rights, because we are red-blooded Americans, and we know that the um, Constitution has 
has the first 10 amendments to it. It's called the Bill of Rights. And so when we think of human rights in our country, we think of the Bill of Rights. And uh, there's always been a, a war against the Bill of Rights, and there will continue to be. Uh, don't be shocked about that. But what is the human right? The human right. And we, we look at the quality of life, and it's based on an individual's freedoms and rights. We want to fight for each human to live with the same basic advantages. We want to fight to meet their physical needs. We fight to meet their social needs. But I believe, dear one, we are missing. We are missing the most essential right for all life, the right to know God, the human right to know God. It is for life at its fullest. This is the most basic right. This is the human right. I'm not talking about some kind of moral <clears throat> obligation that God has to humanity. I'm talking about those of us who have heard the gospel over and over again, and many people have never heard it once. That's where the inequality comes in. Oswald Chambers said, no one should hear the gospel twice until everyone has heard it once. That, that makes a great statement, and I, I don't disagree with it. I don't know how to pull that off, but we must do our best to bring this inequality to some kind of better equilibrium and some kind of balance. The human right movement unites advocates of truth to, number one, rise from apathy to action. It is time to wake up sleeper and rise from the dead. It moves and unites advocates of truth to, uh, to move from entitlement to responsibility. We live in a country where we have these rights and we just, we just whip it out in the church, out of the church. Bless God, I have my rights. And uh, many of us do not exercise our right to vote. But we will fight you about it if you try to take it away. And that's kind of silly to me. Get your what's it out of the chair and go vote. But just a thought there. We are entitled to this. We grew up here and uh, our daddies and uncles and so forth and some of, our, some of you and some of our kids have fought for this that we feel entitled to but we are not entitled to anything dear one if you want to stand before jesus christ and compare your righteousness to his talk to me then about entitlement we are not entitled to anything but we do have a responsibility because the gospel of jesus christ has been invested in us we are carriers of that which when, in, when the world is infected will change the world. We are being moved by the advocates of truth from silence to advocacy. It's time to speak up. And it's not time to speak up about 
some of these things that we have as peripheral things that have been politicized, and some of them are political, and some of them are perhaps moral issues, and we, we have politicized them in our culture. It's really, uh, there is a, uh, a word from the Greek that's been picked up in the Latin, and it comes to us, and the technical word for that where we worry about all these things and make political things out of it. And, and the technical word for that is stupid. <laughs> Don't do it. The vision is that all people everywhere know Jesus. So if we stop spending our energy and our time over here on something that does not have to do with people's salvation, healing, empowerment, discipling and sending if we're if we're putting energy somewhere beside on that front then let's uh let's move it over to where we are a part of the thing that is bringing the knowledge of jesus christ to every person everywhere that's the vision the mission is to mobilize us we say we are advocates of the truth are we advocates of the truth or not. If we are, then we need to be mobilized to make sure that this number one basic human right is fulfilled in every life on the face of the earth. Now that's grand sounding. I like the way that sounded. Like, whoo, yes, get it, Pastor. But it's really complicated. And probably by yourself, you can't do this. And so let's just, well, I'd be glad to, but I can't do anything about it. No, 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 no. That's the silence that we must move out of and begin to advocate. And so here are our values. We're going to abide in the Lord by providing a place in our hearts where Jesus lives and rules the whole deal. And uh, we have an agreement with him that when we start running the show, that the Holy Spirit will get us by the nap of the neck immediately and move us back into the Spirit. That's a good prayer. Lord, don't let me get by with anything. Now, when I pray that normally early in the morning, I'm saying any sin. And then I'll add, especially the sin of of unforgiveness, because if you don't forgive people what they've done to you, God won't forgive what you've done to him, Jesus taught. And that's, I can understand that. that. That's one of those you didn't have to go to Bible school to get. Okay? That is not a product of, of seminary education. That's just like bang right in your face. Uh, read the book. So, this abiding in him is where we need to not get by with anything like spending frivolous time. Now, you say, you don't want me to have any fun. No, I don't want you to, but I want to have fun. No, that's not true. Uh, I, I would like to, for you, when you're going to have fun, take me with you, okay? Uh, maybe it's when the Royals are winning, hallelujah, or when the Chiefs are winning or uh, sometime or whatever. Uh, when OU is winning, I'm good with that. And um, the, the picture is to abide in the Lord, 
so that he, whether we're at a ball game, on the job, in the neighborhood, hanging out at the pool, wherever we are, it's about God, his love, his ministry to those around us. Why else would we live? Why else do, what, what are we here for? What's the purpose? Let's keep our mind on our business. That's abiding. Next week, we will talk about abandoning. And said simply, it's to open our class fists and let go of whatever we're clinging to, whether it's money, whether it's safety, whether it's uh, family ties that we're not willing to go over to some place that's hard for them to access us, whatever. Abandon, open the palm of the life, and let the Lord have it all. The third value is to advocate, and this is to proclaim truth through our words and actions toward those who do not know Jesus. It is, it is so great that the Lord has given a message that when accompanied by the conviction of the Holy Spirit, will absolutely change the life entirely. Change them. Not the same. Now, some of you have experienced that. Teresa mentioned a while ago that the Lord had, had um, touched her life and changed her. And uh, I remember early in our, our, our tenure here that Liz Massey testified several times to, it was just in the first few weeks, as I recall, that the Lord just changed her. And I didn't know, you know, I didn't know her before, but I sure did like her afterwards. She was a wonderful, wonderful lady. She must have been a real bear before that. I'm not, no, no, she just, the Lord just set her free in her spirit. And she knew it better than anyone else, of course. But that's the work of God. God does that. And we need to be the proclaimers of the truth that God does that. And if, we're lo- if your people are lost, we have in our family lost folks. And that improve your prayer life, by the way. Have you noticed that? And we pray. We get down with the Lord on those people. And we are tempted to to negotiate and to vow and so forth. And uh, be careful how you vow, because if you make it to the Lord, you need to keep it. If I, if I think I need to promise something, I just say, I'm going to try to do thus and so, and I'm promising myself. And if I break that promise to me, it's, it's not as big a deal in my mind as if I break it to the Lord. So I don't know where I figured that out. Maybe I'm just chicken. I don't know. But we need to... Proclaim truth through our words and action to those who don't know Jesus and those who need to be healed, those who need to be delivered, those who need to be set free. Now, in this picture of apostle sending, we must send people who love Jesus to those who do not know him. We must do that. You say, I don't know what that means. I'm talking about, I'm talking about your prayer. 
your releasing of those that you have control over, like your kids and others that would listen to you if you said, don't do that. And I'm talking about your money. Well, I don't have any extra money. Well, change your lifestyle. You need to be in a position to give. I mean, is, it, is this thing about gathering all the toys we can and keeping up with all of the people? You know what you do when you compare yourself with someone else? If it's about the, your, your personal quality, you compare yourself with the very best person on the face of the earth, and you're going to come up short. When you compare your money to someone else, you compare it to the one that just has tons more money than you do, and you're going to just be all frustrated and covetous and a mess. Stop that. In a word, stop. And begin to look at what you have with a sense of gratitude. The big bucks, according to Scripture. You want to know how to be rich? The King James calls it great gain. Talking about money. Godliness with contentment. Keeping everything open between you and the Lord, loving the Lord with all your heart, keeping that open, trying to treat, you know, just live Jesus' life on this earth, that, and then looking around at your junk and saying, man, thank you, Jesus. I didn't have that, and I wanted it so much, and I have it. You got it for me. Thank you. Thank you. Now, if you look at your house and compare it with the guy that, that uh, makes a million and a half dollars a year, your house is probably going to be less than. Stop that. There's that word again. Stop. And look around and say, good grief, Lord. Look what you have given me. This is incredible. I remember where I started from. If you'd seen where Eunice and I started, <laughs> when you got an hour or two sometime, I'll tell you about it. The, um, we got to be content. This is, this is what we do. So we need to send these people with those who do not, to, to those who do not know the Lord. And I was, I was looking at the young people, and you have speed the light. And that is a part of the strategy of this apostling thing. The kids have BGMC. And if you don't know what these are, these are missionary things that do specific uh, chores as far as buying equipment, literature, etc., etc., for the people that we send into strange places. And listen, there is, there is an increasing need for specialists on the field, and some of them can be effective and go in short term. But the kingdom of God has been, and at this point is still being advanced most dramatically by those who are boots on the ground, career missionaries. And if you can go for a short time and help out the, the national church in X country, go. If, that, if the Lord puts that on your heart, good. Give us a chance, and maybe we can help you go. But what we need is support for, prayer for, boots on the ground, career missionaries. They go into a place where Jesus is not known. 
They win somebody to the Lord. They win some more somebodies to the Lord. They start a church. God blesses the church, and they begin to uh, have people that are say, I, I, I want to go tell the next village about this. So they need a Bible school. So they start a Bible school. I remember in 1979, uh, Eunice, the girls, and I went to uh, Columbia, South America to preach at a missionary family uh, retreat. And from a bunch of the countries of the northwest part of South America, they drew all the missionary families into this resort for a week. And um, we met so many people that are still a part of our life. Uh, Dave and Jimmy Ruth Lee, uh, the Morrises were a part of, of, a, of a later edition of that, and others that have been around here. Um, Jerry Brown has ministered in, in this congregation a couple of times since then. And, but what impressed me was in the city where this resort was, in the hills of Columbia, the city was at that time about uh, 400,000 people, Bucaramanga, if you care. And there was one missionary family, missionary and his wife, and I don't remember how many kids they had. She was a nurse, and he had, they had just come in there totally raw, and, and they did what I just described, and they won some people to the Lord, and they started a church. Now, there was a Bible school in that town. There were churches all over town that had national pastors. And they were right in the middle of building this, this dramatic, big uh, evangelistic center, which is what you did in those years in Latin American uh, big cities downtown. And it would become like the mother church of the whole thing. And he was, he was an apostle. He was a sent one. He went, he was sent in there. He did his job and the kingdom of God was just advancing and advancing and advancing. I love that. That's, that's what the church does. That's the sent one. And, and in his case, he would never call himself an apostle. It's like he would probably ask me to wash my mouth out with soap for saying that, but he was all the same. And that's what we have to do. These, these strategies include uh, light for the lost. The, that's the Assemblies of God men's uh, missionary fund that raises money for literature and a bunch of stuff that's just over the top. Light for the lost has, has helped uh, spread. Uh, you, you're familiar with the Full Life Study Bible, uh, now called the Fire Bible. Light for the lost has prayed for the translation of that into numerous languages and that bible is is a theological library in one volume that if a guy can't get away to bible school if he will stay close to what that thing teaches him in out of the scripture and all of that stuff he's going to be sound the church is going to be sound they'll grow in the lord and so forth uh, we have in this church local missions projects we have giving to to go to uh, these various ministries around the world. And, uh, and then one of the things that we must send our own kids, and maybe the Lord calls someone who's not a kid, 
But these who are called to the mission field among us, we need to be a part of sending them. We have, um, we have some on the field today that are from this congregation, and it's really, really fun. Uh, now, we must send them, okay? Number two, we must share Jesus with those who do not know him. The kids have Youth Alive, a very effective ministry. Um, the rest of us have family to love. We have friends to love, neighbors to love, co-workers. And the sharing of Jesus is to be done in the various ministries of the church. We have kids ministry. We have youth ministry, young adult ministry, various expressions of men's ministry. We have mops starting this week, heart to heart, powerful ministry. We have the prayer ministry. We have the coming marriage conference. If you're married or ever want to be, plan to be in this. This is this probably, if your marriage is just in shambles, it may not save it, but, but it'll make it better wherever your marriage is on this continuum of good to bad. Um, here is the simple concept. Pray daily, live the word, tell the story of Jesus, serve others, and give generously. That's what we do. That's who we are. That's how we express. There is a picture in, I think it's 2 Kings, 2 Kings, the fifth chapter. Um, Syria was uh, very strong militarily, and they were uh, sending raiding parties into Israel. They didn't occupy Israel, but they were strong enough that, that they wouldn't start a war by sending this raiding party in and, and taking some loot and, and some uh, slaves. So this little girl probably 10, 12, 14 years old, was, was captured and taken and became the uh, slave in the house of the commander of the Syrian army. And uh, this commander of the Syrian army was really, really good at what he did. And the scripture says, through him, the Lord had given victory to Aram, Syria. It's an interesting thing. But that's what it says. And so here she is, and this is not a very happy situation. Uh, captured, carried away as a slave, now serving in the home of the guy that led the army and whose expertise helps make this problem exist, okay? Now, this, this leader had some kind of skin disease. The, the Hebrew word there can mean leprosy as we know it. Uh, but it could mean some other skin-related uh, diseases, and so we don't know exactly what the disease was. Could have been leprosy, could have been uh, some kind of chronic skin infection. We just don't know. But this, this leader had this, had this disease, and so this girl told her, her boss, the wife of this man, I wish my master could could go into Israel uh, and see Elisha the prophet because he'd heal him. So 
Wife told husband, husband told king. King says, go, and I'll write a letter to his, the king of Israel. So he said, with this letter, I'm sending my, uh, my commander, Naaman, to, for you to heal his leprosy. <laughs> that was not a good day in the king of Israel's life. He said, do you see what he's doing? <laughs> so he tore his clothes. That was, that was the expression of extreme sorrow and grief and distress. Elisha heard that the king had torn his clothes, and he said, send him to me. He's about to find out there's a prophet in Israel. Naaman shows up with 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold. <laughs> he didn't come uh, ill-equipped in case there were some fees involved. And uh, the king sent him to Elisha's dwelling, and he comes up there with all of his retinue and all of his attendants, and Elisha sends his servant out. And you know the rest of the story. Uh, it almost didn't happen, but it did, and finally the guy did what he was told, and God healed him, and, and it was a great, great day, and he became a serious convert to the God of Israel. Now, how did this happen? Well, it looks like a tragedy. This little girl is ripped out of her house and taken and made a slave and is serving the wife of this, of this commander of the Syrian forces. And here is, here is the deal. She could have swelled up and done everything she could to bring a bad spirit into that house. I mean, that's... We can do that. Instead, she looked around and she said, you know, my master is really a good man. And, and I wish that he could be well from this disease because this is a hassle. They probably had to do special things in the house so that anyway, I, we don't know what he had exactly. So probably a bad thing. So she speaks up. Get it? She speaks up. And her boss gets healed. That's the story. If she'd kept her mouth shut, no healing. No healing. Dear one, whether you're very, very young or in the middle years or very old, please take that to heart. Speak up. Give hope. Point people to Jesus. This is the will of God. And I think, I think I need to say it like this as I conclude. Silence is the enemy of the truth. May we pray. Father, would you come upon us now so that the person that's not walking with you